Hello and welcome to episode two of To The Studio. Today's guest is John Henry Newton. John's artwork carefully rearranges personal narratives, retelling selected histories in a variety of forms. Through this process, he offers a double take of familiar objects and systems that have become obscured in the routine of the everyday. By highlighting these often fleeting encounters, he draws awareness to the responsibility of the historical document, negotiating the dilemmas of documenting a moment through a secondary language or artwork. Recent exhibitions of his artwork have included Ionokamai Gale Times 3 in the Parasite in London, Encryptions of the Soul in Locale 1B in Amsterdam, Terminal Zero at the Horse Hospital in London, and the Collection in the Department Store of London Bronze Casting and Squires and Partners, also in London. Newton is also one half of a band called John Times Two, whose description on their band camp frankly reads, four arms, four legs, two heads, wood, metal and plastic. Maybe a little more than this, their heavy punk sounds have taken them on tour with idols, given them live sets on KEXP, and regular plays on Radio 6, as well as playing gigs all over Europe. I caught up with John in an intimate setting in Crystal Palace, and in our chat, we talked through his interest in drawing sharks, the importance of perseverance, and his inspiring local pet shop. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, I'll kick it off then. Um, I should start by saying this is the first of our podcasts to be recorded live and direct from one of our guests' humble abodes, which doubles as their studio. Um, so really excited to be here. Cheers, John, for having us. Thanks for having me. Um, how you doing, man? What are you about to do? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, busy with lots of interesting, exciting things. Um, yeah, and like I said, very happy to be sat on my uh, on my bed with you, <laughs> David. <laughs> Won't be lost. Um, so yeah, we've probably got quite a bit to get through, man. Um, start off by talking through your journey with the art side of things um, and where all that started for you. So I suppose from a young age, I, I mean, how early do we want to start? But um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I guess I grew up kind of realizing that art was something that I really, really loved. Um, and I used to make uh really kind of crude books about animals so i would like not crude as in like disgusting just like very basic books on kind of animals that i liked when i was a kid so that started me off drawing and kind of copying things from natural history books um so you know i just had that typical kind of childish morbid curiosity of kind of animals that are like really powerful like sharks or crocodiles so i was just constantly drawing sharks um and i'd make yeah i'd make these books and in some ways i suppose kind of identifying that i like to kind of find information and kind of reappropriate that information into new forms is you know something that i still do today so i suppose that's a real humble start to it uh and in some ways i i do very much the same thing albeit on obviously a slightly more educated level i guess yeah so um yeah so from there obviously kind of followed it into more traditional routes of education so um studied an art foundation in cheltenham then moved on to london metropolitan university and then obviously uh, where we met at the uh, Royal College of Art um, is, is where, um, you know, where I've just finished. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my journey. my journey. Yeah, very quick journey through it. But, um, yeah. So you studied, was it a broad fine art degree at London Met for your BA? Yeah, um, it was, it was, um, yeah, I mean, it was called fine art. And I think at, at that particular time, obviously, it, it would have been around... Uh, you know, around 2007, 2010. So very much kind of conceptual practices, um, which encouraged kind of interdisciplinary work 
Um, and yeah, I suppose I was, I was always a bit of jack of all trades in the sense that I was interested in lots of different types of work and kind of focusing on ideas as opposed to just, uh, you know, a medium. So I think, yeah, it was very broad in that sense. And also, you know, the types of tutors we had were also working in a similar way. So I think that, you know, that, that rubs off on you. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, was that, was that kind of openness to the course? A draw for you because there's lots well uh, that i think back then though that there were lots there might not be any more but back then there were a lot of kind of specialized courses like for instance i, I went to brighton to study painting and that was a direct painting course and that's what i wanted but was it yeah i think it still had traditional pathways so i you had to specialize in a certain area so i specialized in printmaking but again, if you looked at the work that I made, you wouldn't necessarily have thought that I was a printmaker, you know, capital letters. Um, but I did like, I learned a lot from being in a kind of printmaking studio um, that, you know, I suppose does apply to the way that I work now. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it was still very broad within, you know, having that specialism kind of tacked onto the course as some kind of, formal element but um but yeah it, I, I, I still think it was pretty broad and yeah it suited me well because of that yeah and did, was it um did you the move to london was that did you go to london because partly because you wanted to be in london or was it um because that particular course or did you want to did you want to end up here or i think i think london was a big was a big calling in the sense that i i kind of knew that it was the metropolitan hub of of art at that moment and i and i remember kind of juggling my um you know the different options of you know different cities and thinking you know maybe i should try london you can always leave um and go somewhere else if it goes um you know if it goes wrong um and i ended up kind of staying here for what like 10 years i don't even know i've, I've not left so um so yeah i i think it was a case of like oh i'll try it out and you know because i think i might regret it if i don't tr try it yeah. and i can always leave so you know i tried it out and yeah and uh never left and there was well, i've done the research there was seven years between your ba and your MA. yeah 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 <laughs> so that's yeah there's there's quite a lot to talk about within that seven yeah, years yeah, so yeah. What, what, what do you get what you what do you get up to during that time after leaving well i was i was quite lucky in the sense that you know you hear horror horror stories of interns kind of turning up to some kind of factory type situation and being paid peanuts but i had a very very good tutor very very good artist called ben kane um who who really helped me out early on because we did an exchange um with a the academy of arts in in croatia in zagreb and he kind of identified some people who he thought would be interested in that kind of collaborative uh, way of working. So through my relationship with him, he put me in contact with a good friend of his who he studied with, um, an artist who some people might know called Ryan Gander. Um, and I ended up um, from an internship position with Ryan, I ended up working with him for uh, seven years. So that was, yeah, from the time I graduated to the time I started at the RCA, I worked uh, pretty much full time in a, you know, yeah, in a professional studio, um, slightly bigger than this one that you're, <laughs> you're sat in now. Um, but yeah, I guess that was, you know, that was, it was like a, an apprenticeship in art. You know, there, there wasn't anything that um, you didn't really get your hands on. So again kind of learnt a very broad um way of working within you know within the studio with with ryan mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah yeah well um i want to ask you i, I want to ask you a lot about that but i guess first um i'm interested in to, to know really how your experience of studying at the royal college was after all that time um working for an artist in in that kind of in that environment and then taking the choice again to think, no, I want to pursue my own thing for a bit more. Um, was there anything that kicked that off? Firstly, I guess, and then how was your experience studying? I think, yeah, I think that having been in the studio for kind of seven years, um, 
I mean, I I really loved the job. You know, every week going in making something a, a new project. I mean, if anyone knows or doesn't know Ryan's work, it's a practice that kind of hops all over the place. You know, he's often called a cultural magpie because he's always taking things from different, um, you know, different areas of the world or or different, you know. Uh, different industries as well so one week you could be making a, a pair of shoes with Nike or the next week you could be making a, an advert you know with a commercial advertising agency so I kind of told myself you need to kind of wring out this sponge uh, of of you know of of everything because it's such a good opportunity and I think yeah I just came to the point where I was like you know I've I've really learned so much from this, but it's time to kind of try and go back and indulge uh, in my in my own interests. You know, I still continue to make work. I I, I was probably more prolific in terms of exhibiting um, artwork when I when I worked with him. You know, it was you know it was infectious because some people think, oh, maybe you would be too tired or or sick of art by by the end of you know clocking out of the studio, but. Um, it was just great and you know he's such a generous man that you know i was able to stay in the studio after and use his space use his tools because he's someone who who's kind of always championed younger artists so um yeah it, it you know it suited me for a long time but i think just you know naturally you yeah you you kind of want to move on with things regardless of how good a job is and and i came to the point of you know realizing that you know, I wanted to make a, a, a progression and that progression was, was probably going back and studying again at the Royal College, you know, as opposed to moving to a different studio. I genuinely don't think there would be a better studio to work for. So that was kind of off the cards. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I chose to go to the Royal College and um, yeah. And I think that that was a, you know, a really good decision um, in the sense that it just gave me the time to, um, to really kind of indulge in some of the ideas and you know and interesting projects that I kind of had in my head or in notebooks so yeah and you studied on the critical path the critical pathway yeah critical practice pathway yeah, yeah. Practice pathway, yeah that's right um yeah was there a reason for that you kind of veered towards that rather than because you had like quite a multidisciplinary practice right really was there was there a reason why you were drawn specifically to that to that course it was pretty much that I think I read the I read the blurb on the course I kind of had thought and, and kind of knew about the discipline pathway so like a lot of people might have lumped my work in with sculpture and that that also maybe could have worked but I, I read the course blurb and I kind of saw who was teaching on it and I thought actually that's that's a lot more uh you know that's a lot more me than um than you know taking a sculpture course so yeah and you know i think that was a vind you know vindicated by the kind of relationships that i made when i was um when i was there and the people who i was kind of you know talking to yeah yeah sweet um you mentioned like the collaborate the like collaborative side to work before um and yeah how that's been a part of your practice slightly um and it got me thinking about your one of the most recent books that I've seen of yours, um, the book November, um, and it was in right yeah in a show curated by Ryan Gander and Jonathan P. Watt. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, um, yeah, at Free Market Gallery, um, the publication I found multi-layered in many senses, um, especially in its production um, and intricate too in its design and its content. Maybe I yeah maybe I want to ask you if you could speak a bit about that work in particular um and about yeah and about that yeah yeah, yeah. no that's that's good and actually it, it fits really nicely with my own personal history because i was i was in a cocktail book that ryan devised when i was working with ryan so an artist cocktail book kind of traditional pocket book yeah that you know just artists making up cocktails or cocktails that they'd you know yeah uh, knew of from other people you know just a compendium of of recipes and um from that the kind of success of that project there was a bit of money left over with the publishing house dent de leon um and they were interested to ask a young artist to make a book so i was actually offered to make a book a long time ago but um 
this is kind of a, you know relevant to my practice but to be given the form kind of felt a little bit wrong to me in the sense that I'm someone who liked to develop the idea um, before knowing the form. So this kind of pressure of having, you know, the preciousness of whatever a book can be was kind of stifling, like I'm not going to lie. Um, but I still, you know, I was still really interested in the opportunity and really interested to work with the designers who, you know, who we had worked with on the cocktail book, who are Obaka, who I don't know whether I've said it right. Um, they won't mind if I say it wrong, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it took me a long, long time to kind of find this idea to fit the form. And I'm, I'm really glad I waited. Um, and it, it kind of came out quite, yeah, it came out the way it did whilst I was, uh, on tour with my band, mm-hmm. um, which we haven't mentioned yet, but I'm sure we will mention, um, <laughs> So, yeah, this, uh, this idea of almost like the problem of coming up with this book is the first chapter of the book. So folding in this lived experience in a way that became productive. Um, and also, yeah, kind of trying to show up um, or show, display some of that creative process through the actual writing of the book. And I think as I've gone on through the years, I've done a lot more writing um and it was nice to kind of finally commit some of this writing to a a project that was released kind of more visibly um yeah and and from that so so shall i talk about yeah yeah, yeah. so kind of each text was written so whilst i traveled on a tour on on a bus around europe and um the the kind of intention of this was to to understand that a tour is usually based around a, a number of spectacles. So in an evening, obviously a show. So I kind of wanted to show the flip side of this. So no places or names are mentioned in it. It's, you know, it's kind of left aloof to the reader. And um, basically, yeah, uh, yeah, the, the kind of anti-spectacular side is, is revealed. So these small moments in between shows, which, um, yeah, which I felt like is was more, you know, more true in a way to the the, the traditional kind of glossy photographs yeah. of, you know, uh, traditional kind of tour photography or documentation. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I was um, that was kind of my intention behind it. Um, and yeah, the designers who I worked with really beautifully kind of brought it together by taking a kind of secondary tour. Um, of their own because they Abaka often do workshops um, and residencies all over the world so they printed certain pages um, in different locations um, on slightly different types of A4 paper so the reader can kind of leaf through it and notice these these nuances between each page and the um, the front cover was screen printed on uh, on various maps that were stolen um, off off walls in Amsterdam, um, which which mirrored really nicely one of the texts, which was also written in Amsterdam. Although, again, you wouldn't necessarily know, but that's that's your multi layered kind of observation. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, I'm really happy with how it came out, and it kind of it sits as this halfway between a, a limited artist edition and a throwaway DIY punk zine. So we had this dilemma of of pricing it, and um, it was either kind of £111 as an artist edition or £5 from my hand, kind of sold on the side of shows. So, yeah, it was a nice kind of duality to the way it could be perceived, which is something that I'm kind of always looking forward for, sorry, in work, like this kind of um, multiplicity. Yeah, yeah. Um... It's actually just thinking there. I don't know if you've ever read it, but have you heard Nick Cave's sick bag song? I haven't. Um, although, yeah, there's there's so many books, and that's definitely on the on the list. I have, you know, I've bigger admiration. I'm quite a late late bloomer to Nick Cave. Really? I've um, I've walked past him in Brighton, but um, but I've not really read anything. But I've heard, you know, really good things about the writing. Obviously, yeah, the music's yeah. fantastic, but we we probably don't need to talk about that. But yeah um 
yeah, something like that, I'm sure, would would have been an influence yeah. <laughs> in yeah. retrospect, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, well, cheers for that. I think, I think that, yeah, that, that's that's great. Um, especially for, yeah, for listeners who haven't, who haven't read the book. It's a, it's a great, yeah, it's a great way in. Is there, are there any left? Uh, or have they all flown off the ship? I think if... Or the it, uh, all of the ones that I have are flown out of the hand or the merch desk. But um, I think if you looked up on Dent de Leon on the website there might be some left but um but yeah i was just really really happy that um you know the response was great a lot of people kind of wanting them through you know through the the shows that we play you know because it's not a t-shirt or a record um i was a you know well i wasn't nervous but i was just i didn't know whether people would be as inclined to to buy something that is you know not necessarily the band but kind of linked to the band but people people were really um you know, really excited by it. So mm. maybe it's something that will continue as well. Cool. Well, maybe we can segue a little bit into the band. Uh, you recently graduated, so congratulations for that. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I didn't fail. <laughs> <laughs> Be hard not to, wouldn't it? Because they need the money. Some have. Some have. Oh, really? Some have. Well, sorry to those some people. Have. Um, was it? Oh, I might get it wrong, but there was a. Was it? Was it Gavin Turk? Gavin Turk. Yeah. Yeah. But that was like a genius piece of work. So yeah, the uh, I should probably contextualise that. But the yeah. the blue plaque that just said yeah. Gavin Turk uh, was it British sculptor worked, worked here. here yeah, it's it's crazy. I was thinking about that whilst actually listening to another podcast with him on it and thinking, like that's quite recent history that something yeah. like that would get failed. It's it's it shows. Especially how much thinking. yeah no it's yeah exactly i find it i because it's not that long ago um or it certainly doesn't feel that long ago but you know it, it's a great work and um you know yeah yeah i don't you know he seems to be doing all right yeah i actually heard this this could be fake news but i heard the royal college actually tried to give him um a kind of uh, honorary, yeah, honorary degree, degree and well, well, I should hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, back to you. So your film and degree show was Hypoxia, which recalls a series uh, of memories, am I right, derived from countryside location in which you are, is that right? Yes, that's true. Um, so, yeah, the, the, imagery, the imagery becomes interrupted by military presence um, and fragments of foreign culture seep into those kind of rural scenes that, that, you, that you can see. Um, there seems to be a nostalgia delivered through the, the spoken narrative. Um, yeah. Of an image of the past that, ex- that seems to be mixed with a seeping kind of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and this seems similar to the narrative weave that I found in one of your latest songs with your band, Future Thinker. But instead, of, but instead of this nostalgia or kind of a yearning for the past is created through an anxiety about maybe the possible banality or doom of our future mm-hmm. um, and I, I guess the, I guess what I want to ask is is this looking forward and back or just time itself kind of important in your thinking for for what you made yeah no I think that's I think that's a you're really relevant like comparison because I don't yeah I, I don't really uh, scrutinize like a, a, a kind of or drive a wedge between the music and the art I think they're the I'm always trying to kind of say something through a medium, whether it be a song or or a film. But yeah, I think it's just this, um, you know, this this constant upheaval of a of a past. So these these um, you know personal memories that kind of kind of persist with you and can always be recalled, kind of almost uncontrollably, um, or or kind of semi consciously. I'm kind of interested in how these are kind of re how these are retold and and also how the language in which we retell them kind of refictionalizes them. Um so in the case of the film, um yeah, it, it's my negotiation of this of an American airbase that I grew up close to in the countryside, which is quite an incongruous presence. So I suppose it came from um, 
thinking that that was through through childhood kind of rose tinted goggles kind of thinking that was almost normal <laughs> and thinking that maybe everyone had that um had that moment within their childhood but actually i realized it was quite unique to the location um so it was interesting to try and revisit these things and kind of pathologize them um because of the small little nuances of this military presence whether it was kind of noticing these american muscle cars or these kids who turned up to our secondary school but then suddenly disappeared or like drinking mountain dew at a roller disco you know there's yeah, and there's there's a there's a more in depth part about a bowling alley as well, which was actually on the air bases uh, plot, and it was obviously for the people who were stationed there. And I remember going to birthday parties, um, you know, to go bowling, and it it was like walking into this grafted culture that's some you know still in the English countryside, but you're transported into a different. Um, culture that you don't know anything about and that obviously affects your view of the world because it's yeah this kind of americana kind of seeps in i know you said mm, seeping because yeah. of the the images yeah so I, i'm just yeah it was it was a thing that i kind of wanted to explore um more and i think it is um yeah i think it is always me kind of struggling or wrestling with this this understanding of um of, of time or these memorial playbacks that are often somewhat uncontrollable um and i think future thinker was quite the song sorry to revisit it was quite emblematic of that um and it's probably the other way actually it's it's me trying not to future think too much because i think either way can be problematic <laughs> like yeah you're looking back too far and you're, you're getting stuck on things mm -hmm. but also you can almost try to to guess how things are going to turn out and realizing that that's not actually a healthy way of thinking um so i i kind of this the song was a bit of an ode to that and it can be read on a more personal level but it can also be read on a more collective level level and that's kind of what i like about songs is even though it might be written about the most mundane or boring uh, personal moment, um, the way that you kind of present that song can resonate collectively to someone else yeah. in more or less of a direct way. Yeah, and I think that, um, I think the same goes with, um, as, I'm, as I'm, I'm sure you're aware, in your, um, in your videos, in the sense that, like the Future Think video, for instance, Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of journeys down and up escalators. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's so much space in that. And then midway through those, it, when it, it flicks to the, like a, a, a shed in the snow. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with it. I guess it's just an observation that there is, there is so, there, is a, there was a lot of space in that and it's quite hypnotic and you're able to kind of, yeah, allow things to wash over you more rather than be projected in, in a certain way of reading a certain lyric or a certain way of, you know, it's quite, yeah, I guess it's just an observation, but. Yeah, well, it, it comes back to that um, interest in, in how you re-articulate a specific memory because depending on what words you choose or, or, you know, how you present it, like whether that be visual or, audible or whatever um you know it affects the you know what is actually on display to another person yeah. and so that's what i'm so interested in art is you know you know in the same way that you might look at these natural natural history diagrams of of sharks you know they're very diagrammatic about this animal but you know it's you know it's um informational in some kind of way or is trying to communicate something and how detailed you are within that or within the the words of a song which sometimes can be slightly more abstracted or less direct um you kind of allow people certain distance into the idea or less distance into the idea and that's that push and pull is always what i'm interested in and i think calvino says in in one of his texts um i think it's 
um, one of his final lectures on exactitude, which is a really, really good text. He talks about this kind of magnifying push and pull um, within his writing and obviously writing being unable to tell you totality. It's always going to be, um, you know, at the mercy of these words that are kind of these little pegs to hang ideas on. So, yeah, I, I kind of, I enjoy that struggle. Yeah. Um, and that's what I like about songwriting as well is not only do you have that struggle, but you, you also mangle it through song structure. So you're, you're, you've got even more of a challenge to try and fit a narrative into, you know, into guitars, drums and, you know, other instruments. Yeah. How is that? How is that process? How is that process for you? Like what, what comes, what comes first? Um, I think, I think, uh, traditionally because of the way that me and Johnny, so Johnny is the, sorry, is the guitarist in the band, John, um, and I drum and sing, uh, just for context again, it's probably important. <laughs> yeah. Um, so often we, we just tend to write in a room. So I think of late, you know, we've done it different ways, you know, for different songs, but usually it's a case of us kind of playing together in a room. And I start building some kind of vocal pattern in my head and usually mumble them over over the song. And sometimes that it does come from something that I've written before. Because sometimes I do, I'm singing a line that actually I've written um, before, you know, rehearsal or writing, whatever. And um, yeah, so that often gets recorded. So actually today... I've been working on something. And so we would record that on a phone. I'll have this basic pattern of singing. And then I start, you know, I just start uh, chipping away at coming up with an, you know, an idea that might fit often the kind of mood of the chords or yeah, I think the sound of the chords do affect what I write. You know, but I, I don't, I can't, I can't say exactly how. It's not like a, no, no, no. it's not like a concrete thing. But, um, but yeah. So, a song today that you know we've we've started writing for you know probably a third album, um, and yeah, it's it creeps up on you. It kind of, I like kind of keeping myself naive to it and just being often it will be in between on a journey or something i'll i'll have this the songs in my headphones and you just start playing it's like a little puzzle of words mm -hmm. and um and as you go through you kind of build this yeah you build this scene and again that's where i start thinking am i being direct enough to the whatever honesty of that or original situation was mm -hmm. or do i want to be you know direct about it um and then eventually it's kind of this facsimile of that moment um with more or less you know evidence of that original moment so i don't know a lot of the time people definitely wouldn't be able to get the whole scene of me <laughs> being sat in like a you know listening to a song coming over a mountain in croatia yeah. you know for example you know that's kind of where i was working from today and um, yeah, but other t other times people might be you know closer to to what the song is actually about. So I waffled on a lot there. No, no that's <laughs> great. No, that's great. So um, do you when you're when you are writing? You, well, say you do you just write? Is it imaginative writing when you're you know when you're not specifically thinking about this is going to be a song or this is going to be an artwork? Do you tend to just write from the top or do you? drawn specific kind of personal it, it will be it will always it's pretty much always personal experience i mean the writers that i like so you can probably see up on that shelf there's lots of there's lots of uh bs johnson books and he was kind of a one-man english avant-garde in uh i don't know whether it's 50s 60s um i'm really rubbish with dates but um, so he his his kind of line was, you know, I never wrote anything that wasn't, you know, the tr like the truth. He always tried to kind of really, you know, struggle with, you know, 
with honesty essentially and we all know that you can't achieve total honesty with with words mm. um you know and i don't know maybe that's why he ended up killing himself but um let's not go <laughs> let's not go into that but yeah so he so basically i've always i've always drawn from um memories or moments and that doesn't mean to say that all the songs kind of carry off as the same kind of locations or or whatever but i it's always yeah working from these past images and and kind of choosing words that kind of come from those places or represent those places mm. um and that's definitely what um the new new album that is yeah. to be released to be and this released. is we're going to segue into nailed it um yeah that's that's um that's kind of where I, you know, started with this with this new album. Um, yeah, and what's, well, yeah, well, where to start? Where to start with the new album? Because the recent, uh, from the outside, it seems as though things have just accelerated big time for you, for you guys, with the band. Like in terms of, well, yeah, just everything's just seems to just be snowballing. Big way. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a really kind time, and. I think it's come around at a good moment um, in the sense that I feel like we've we've done a lot a lot of stuff and we we've got good at what we do. Um, I think you know often there can be quite a focus at the moment on 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 freshness and and youth. Um, not and I, I'm not I don't want to be necessarily critical. I don't really mind, but I'm just pleased that we stuck to our guns and. We've grown at a very organic rate, probably because of the name John, because <laughs> not many people can find it. But um, but like yeah, it takes time to get good and hone your craft. Like play loads of shows, um, record lots of songs, some rubbish, some good, um, sort the wheat from the chaff. And and I feel like this is you know it's been working to this this kind of you know a, a bit of a crescendo, and and people are kind of picking up on it. The new single. Has just gone on to the B BBC Six B playlist today. Yeah, it was called High Digger, but spelt wrong. <laughs> well, spelt phonetically. Um, and yeah, that you know that's fantastic because that reaches a yeah, massive audience. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, so good. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we could talk about because I think we mentioned before that maybe some of the songs on the album. You said there's stuff. Is there stuff around here? Or, is it any, or does it come from any objects that you've been had lying around? Um, I think, anything directly here. I mean, that little slide there is is part of the the new album artwork, which is a kind of the sunlight shot through my window through this slide, um, and it shows this image from the 1980s. And it was just this chance encounter that I found. I mean, it's the same hill that you walked down to get here. I found it on the side and was curious to look through it and when i saw it it was you know it's this picture of you know children kind of trying to cradle this chicken um like an educational kind of scene and i i just kind of really liked the image and it it comes from this locality um in the same way that the songs and the lyrics come from this locality in in south london so it 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 seemed relevant to kind of use it in a visual sense, which is what I'm always trying to trying to do because I I kind of like creating this strong visual um, alongside the audible kind of moments on on an album. So yeah, uh, that is you know obviously I collect lots of things that kind of just you know you never know really really when something's going to jump out and become kind of performative. But um, but yeah, there's there's lots of there's lots of stuff, really. Um, I don't. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm not. No, that's not fine. sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's there's a lot of, lot of little things that I've collected, but, um, I suppose I just like, the storytelling um, possibilities of, objects, um, and again, some of these objects are more dumb than others. Um, and some of these things, you know, like a set list, you know, with a title. When's that, when's that, when's that? I mean, that was from a show 
in the southwest of France in a, in a place called Po, um, which is, I think, is a student town, but it's, uh, there's a venue on the outskirts of the town called the Ferronery, which is a fantastic venue. It's an old ironworks. So it's probably more of a studio again than this yeah. this bedroom that we're in, um, and they have they get some great bands through there, um, and we, you know, it's the type of place where you turn up and you're really really anxious because you're like, where are, where is the crowd going to come from? Like, it's not even in the centre of a town. It's not a thoroughfare, and um, again, it's it's South West France, so. You know, it's getting to kind of eight o'clock and you're like, still no one here. You know, we've done sound check. This could be embarrassing. Um, but yeah, eventually, you know, you just see these cars kind of pulling in. And then within about an hour, you've, you've got a room full of like fantastic people. And um, yeah, so that set list is from, from yeah, a tour in southwest France that we did. And um, yeah, it was... Yes, yeah, certainly up there is one of my favourite shows. So hence why it's up, up on the, the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic place. Yeah. And you're off. You're off. Are you off again next week? Right on tour. Yeah. So we're off again, but all the way around France, um, in a week, and then we go round the UK with the album release, which is on the fourth of October. So there's my shameless plug. No, it's called Out Here on the Fringes. <laughs> Out on Petscare Records, <laughs> which is our record label. Could you talk about that then? Yeah. yeah. What was? Did it get formed a similar time to you guys getting together as a band? Or it was formed out of the feeling of we want to put music out. Mm -hmm. No one has come to us yet. We don't want to wait around. So let's learn how to do it. Get on our feet and do it. And and it, there are, you know, I'm not going to say it's not hard because there, there, there's things that you have to do and you have to learn. You know, they're all things that you can usually find out on the internet, you know, with registering songs and things like that. But I just, yeah, I mean, it was just of interest to me because I, I loved all the different sides of, you know, creating music. So it made sense to kind of just do it ourselves yeah, if, if no one was, yeah, if no one's interested. Um, and so there was a shop up in Crystal Palace, so near where you live. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the exact address <laughs> to people, but um, it was an old pet shop, and it was called uh, Pets Care, and it had the most miserable-looking <laughs> cat and parrot on it. And so one year, I took a photograph of it, and I made a homemade birthday card because I'm a cheapskate, um, for, for Johnny, so guitarist of the band, John, um, a really cute birthday card and um, with the sign on it. And we then thought, because the, the, the pet shop had closed down and they were kind of removing everything. So we thought, well, this can be the record label name. So we just stole their branding and now we've kind of repurposed this branding. Uh, and I, they obviously won't know but I kind of like this narrative of this shop that doesn't exist anymore, complete zero visibility, but we've got their logo and their name. And now it's, you know, obviously it's great because that gets put on the BBC players. It yeah, says right. Pets Care Records. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Are we getting their time now? Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. They're not going to see any of the profits, oh, unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, sorry about, sorry about that. Yeah. Are they really long? How, how long ago did they... Was it? it must have been like maybe about seven, eight years. Oh. Yeah, long gone. It's, pro it's, it's probably an estate agent now <laughs> or a chicken shop. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so so the album, maybe we, you, we talked a little bit about it and we haven't got one here to reference, but the artwork on the album, um, is that, yeah, was that solely your job or did you or did you work through that work through that together because the images on there are actually quite linked as you say to I think because we both we both live around here so Johnny also lives around here um I'm always in discussion with him about the kind of art direction mm -hmm. but usually you know obviously I kind of I'm it's usually my ideas and 
you know, but he he definitely has a big input in in you know what what goes and what you know doesn't go. Um, and so this image is um, because we're next to the transmitting it antennas, kind of down in down in Crystal Palace. Um, we both grew up with the test card F. I think a lot of people of that generation would know the test card because yes. of the before the 24-hour broadcasting on television. So again, this nostalgic image that you know has been used so many times. It's not. I'm not claiming some kind of um, ownership or you know, you know, cleverness with that image because it's been used to death. But um, a while ago, I made a, a piece of. Well, I didn't know what it was. It wasn't really a piece of work, but I made a fabric print of the test card that was illustrated, you know, very simply using Illustrator mm -hmm. and printed on a, you know, a large flag. And it's something that hung around, much like most of the stuff in this room. It's probably under my bed. But, um, but yeah, I was just, I was looking for its right time to perform. And we decided that we'd kind of take it down to East Dulwich Woods and, and, and shoot kind of with the sun sunlight kind of shining through it just as um as a possibility and it just came out really nicely um and again that kind of nostalgic image marries with the this kind of rearticulation of past narrative through the songs so it fits as an image like again not to kind of feel guilty about using this image but it is a heavily nostalgic image yeah. for our generation yeah. so to use that again you know fits the same, you know, fits it fits the same way as you know the words of the songs. Yeah, yeah, and also for me, yeah, when I look when I see that image, it I don't know whether it was like it for everyone else. I maybe I'm remembering it wrongly, but there was a like a, a right there was a yeah the beat yeah yeah, yeah. So, I forgot that so that is a nice kind of beginning maybe to like the oh we the should album. have we should have done that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Right. It's going out in a month, so it's too <laughs> it's too late. Uh, that, but but speaking of that, there there is there is a really like particularly on the album there is one song called Midnight Supermarket, uh, which I gave as a title to Johnny. So this is where we flip the songwriting process around, and that is something that you know tried to work more sonically in in terms of a space or you know incorporating again this yeah this nostalgia within within an actual song so um we yeah johnny wrote this song with with a kind of with images in mind and it's kind of this dreamy kind of wander potentially through a supermarket so this kind of i guess this kind of post uh capitalist kind of post consumerist uh landscape you know, like maybe like a future image of now. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think it was really, I think it's really successful. Like it's very, it's the most surprising track because uh, people are probably going to expect, you know, kind of noisy punk rock, um, which, you know, a lot of, yeah, which, Two Johns, which, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which a lot of the album is, but like we're really, really pleased with, with um, that song. And actually at the end of that song, there is this nice beat that just slams into to, to your noisy punk rock. So maybe we can retrospectively say that that was the beat from the. Mate. It's, it's yeah. all, all this, all the, this it, is the final piece of the puzzle. It all goes, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's a lyric of one of the songs. Is it? Yeah. Is it? That's in hiding a piece piece of the puzzle. Oh. Oh God, it's all too much serendipity. <laughs> too much research. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the tour, um, where, yeah, because these people, is it so, yeah, if you sold out, right? The London's, London, London dates are London sold out. sold out, yeah, so London, Bristol, Portsmouth, and, uh, what's the other one? London, Bristol, Portsmouth, and Manchester have all sold out, which is incredible. incredible. Like, you know, we don't bite off more than we can chew. We, you know, they're, they're you know, they're, they're really great venues, and but they're, you know, they're not, you know, they're not huge venues, mm -hmm. but like they're really great venues that we, you know, admire. Like the Castle Hotel has got a really nice character in Manchester, so to have sold that out is really special. Um, yeah, so we're just really looking forward to going out 
around the UK. And it's, it's very different. Like we've done UK tours in the past, but this is very much, I think, the it feels like the first proper, proper headline, you know, uh, tour that we've done. Yeah, so, gonna yeah, it's going to be a nice buzz to it. And, you know, going out with new songs uh, that people, um, you know, hopefully want to hear is, is well, great. Well, they do, mate. I know, they paid the money now. <laughs> They're not getting the money back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so is it UK first, France second? Or France first, UK second. So France before the album comes out, because mm-hmm. um, it will still be sunny there and it will be nice. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, UK, October, and then we do Ireland, uh, November. And then we've got more more things up our sleeves that haven't been announced yet. Okay. And I can, I don't know. Can we get a, an exclusive? Can we get an exclusive? Well, everyone keeps going on about Scotland. Yeah. Scotland is going to happen. Boom. There we go. There's your exclusive. I won't say dates, otherwise I get told off. But, but yeah. There we go. That's it. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm really happy with that. Nice one. Good stuff. Um, so, well, I, I, I was going to say, before we say our goodbyes, have you got anything to plug? Uh, I've, probably done a, I've probably done enough of that. But um, I don't know. Any, yeah. any, any nice, well, I don't know, any, any nice places in Crystal Palace you want to shout out? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I work at, at Reunion, which is a nice, a lovely cafe, like community. It's been there for, I mean, uh, under another name, but they've just changed name for, for you know, 20 years. So it would be great to see people support kind of local businesses around the area because I know it's it's really tough um, on people trying to do good stuff. So um, they're, you know, you know, definitely worth a shout and... You know, who knows, I might make you some eggs or something. I hope, you know, I don't know. I've put myself under pressure now. Um, and yeah, three restorers, uh, Johnny's Furniture Restor- Restoration Company. I mean, he kind of keeps that up at the same time as the band, which is wow. really admirable. And they do fantastic work kind of restoring uh, mid-century and... Yeah, I, I I can't remember how he says it. Mid-century and basically antique furniture, mm. but um, yeah, he's he's really talented at that. And I think he's I think he's going to be doing some seats in the Albert Hall. Whoa. So they they've you know they've got a really good reputation. Um, and again, small business. Um, so yeah, not to just like plug yeah. money into his pocket, but I, I really appreciate what he does. So um, yeah, so yeah, that's fun. yeah. great. Um, well, with every podcast, I finish with two questions. Okay, well, cool. I, I usually do it to finish, because I want to finish on a positive note. This has been pretty positive. Um, the first question I ask is, if you could swap places with me now and be in any artist studio, living or dead, whose who's studio would you go to and what would you ask them or what would you want to talk about? Oh, jeez, man. <laughs> that is so tough. Or the first thing that pops to mind. I won't. I won't say the definitive, the definitive artist, but or definitive. Oh, person. pop. That's yeah. That's like because you. I could go like music studio. I could yeah. go like Steve Albini. I mean, I have friends who have recorded with him, and you know, I'm sure he's very interesting to to talk about. Or I could go like, you know, go and meditate with David Lynch or something like that, which would be, which would be super nice. Up in LA. Um, yeah chill out and kind of I don't know drink loads of black coffee yeah. a la Twin Peaks I'd, um, <laughs> but yeah artist I want to say someone really impressive um, and I have been lucky enough to kind of go to lots of artist yeah. studios obviously through working with Ryan I'm like stalling now so no, I can so I can actually so I can actually think but um, I mean yeah visiting artist studios are always you know it's always super interesting and kind of picking people's brains um, about their process um, is is really great. So I hope my bed, uh, my bedroom doesn't somehow pale in that comparison. But maybe maybe yeah. Oh, the bed clothes aren't much, but you know I'll get I'll go to IKEA or something. Um, yeah, or you know I don't know maybe speaking to writers as well, like you know to pick. 
pick your brains, maybe coffee with a writer. Um, you know, I couldn't do it with B.S. Johnson because he's, he's a goner. No, you can't. Living or dead, man. Living or dead. Living okay. Or dead. Well, B.S. Johnson, I, I can. He must. He would be probably quite tough to speak to because he was. Yeah, a, a uh, bit bad not choosing him if he's looking down on you right now. Yeah, um, and I should just look at these books. <laughs> I mean, I, I can see "Shut Up and Play the Hits" by James Murphy. You know, James Murphy from LCD Sound System. He would be quite good to speak to. I walked past him once on so Brick Lane, and I, I didn't because I think, I, I mean, I don't drink now, but. I was really hungover then, and I I was a bit um, worried to uh, to say anything. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, Stuart Lee, that that'd be a nightmare trying to introduce yourself. <laughs> he would not like that. Um, yeah, I think I, I'll just leave it there. Yeah. But um, I, I, think, I think. But yeah, I think that's that's fine. Yeah. And the Too last question. The last question is a lot easier. Okay. Um, um, what's the best? What would you say the most helpful or the best? piece of advice you've ever been given in relation to the arts or with your music um that's kind of carried carried through or something that stuck with you um, oh yeah i i think with i think you just you have to kind of especially with music is you you've got to really love what you do um it sounds so simple you've just got to really want to do it and as soon as you start trying to change uh it for other, you know, for other people's causes, then it, it just doesn't work. Like there's been times, um, you know, within my kind of professional art, artistic, more or more artistic exhibiting side, you know, I I had, you know, there there were moments when things did start impinging on the way I was making art, and uh, especially you know pressures of commerce and you know, having to make things for certain deadlines. And, you know, you do have to work hard to, you know, you've got to get things on show at a certain point or get an album at a certain point. But I think you just have to stay true to your, you know, your your sense of, you know, pleasing pleasing yourself. And, and then hopefully other people get on board. That's what's so great about this John thing is, you know, me and Johnny are best mates. We still love going into a room making music together. And... You know, thank you know. Thankfully, people have found it and have started to like it. Um, so I think, yeah, you just have to really love, yeah, what you do and just carry on doing it. And like persistence is key as well. I think uh, my good friend Peter Lamb, who is an is a is a I want I would say an artist and you know predominantly painter and printmaker. He he's been around for. A, a long time in London, you know, always been a working artist, always just grafting and kind of putting everything through a, a mill of, um, you know, of, of, of work. And he, he never, he never stops. And he just said, you know, if you keep going, people can't ignore you. They just, you know, and I just realized that, you know, you just can't, at some point I just keep doing stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not about ever, you know, ever kind of reaching some kind of goal where you feel like you've made it it's just like you realize you can't do anything else and you just carry on doing it and you know obviously i'm sure there are a few examples or lots of examples of people who do really batter on the door and don't get their plaudits but i think you just have to keep working hard and hopefully you know eventually you know people you'll reach an audience that does um respect you no matter how big or how small so yeah nice one what a note to end on oh yeah john, it felt good john newton <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you. Really thank you cheers thank you so thank you very much for listening to us all the way through Please find more information about what was discussed on the podcast in the notes section. And if you like what you heard and would like to keep up to date with new episodes, then please subscribe to the podcast. And also follow our Instagram, which we regularly update with posts about each guest and all goings on with the podcast. Also, if you can spare a moment, please leave us a lovely review and that would help us out a lot. As well as that, if you have any suggestions or opinions you wish to share with us, then please feel free to do so on any of our social media platforms 
or send us over an email. All of our details are again in the notes section of each podcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. <laughs>